Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first, and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word together this morning. We pray that as we study uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, that you would encourage us uh, to not only leave this morning with uh, a a more robust view of leadership and a more robust understanding of what you desire of leaders, but that we uh, would desire that role for ourselves if you would be calling us to it, and that we would be seeking out Uh, others who might qualify for that role, that we would be in prayer for our current deacons and leaders, and that all of this would be done to make much of you, Jesus. We love you, and we ask all of this in your precious name. Amen. All right, ready for the next part? Well, good morning, Aletheia Church. I am sorry that we are unable to gather in person, but after a few weeks ago of being rained on, uh, it did not look good this morning, so we have decided to meet online this morning to hopefully stay dry. Um, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, We're going to be looking at six verses there this morning. And if this is your first time joining us or uh, you haven't been around for all of our uh, teaching and sermon series inside of this book of 1 Timothy, uh, we've entitled this sermon series Instructions to a Young Church because that's exactly what's going on here. Uh, Paul is writing to this young leader named Timothy and giving him instructions on what he wants him to do in leading the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus was this prominent church that Luke uh, records in the book of Acts. Uh, Paul spent quite a bit of time there, and he also spent quite a bit of time with Timothy. And so he cared deeply about the church and Timothy. And so he writes him this letter, kind of outlining uh, what Timothy needs to do to lead that church well. And last week we started talking about uh, the qualifications for leadership Uh, inside the church and why leadership is so important. And and what we basically saw was that we need leaders. Churches need leaders who are going to uh, point people to Jesus and and lead the people of God towards holiness and, and mission. And so last week, we talked about one particular uh office of leadership inside of the church, and that is the office of elder. And we said that there's a a number of different terms throughout the scripture that are used interchangeably 
for that office, the term pastor, the term elder, or the term overseer, but that a called pastor does all the things needed as a leader to help the church grow in number, to help the church grow in wisdom, and to help the church grow in godliness and Christ-likeness. And we saw three things that elders were marked by there in those first seven verses in 1 Timothy chapter 3. We saw that uh, that leaders or elders uh, should be known by their character and meeting those character qualifications that Paul outlines. We saw that they should be known by their household and managing their household well. And then we saw that they should be known by their reputation, both internally inside the church as someone who is mature and walking with the Lord, but also we saw that they should have a good reputation outside of the church with those who are not followers of Christ. And we said that this is important and that Paul is writing to Timothy about all this uh, so that Timothy understands why churches need to pursue godly leadership so that Timothy understands the importance of putting leadership as a high priority for Jesus's church. And we said that this was wise just on a, on, on a practical level because people uh, need leadership to keep on track in pursuing Jesus. One of the things that is remarkable to me that even as a pastor, I need other pastors, other elders in my own life who are gonna come alongside me and say, Kevin, come on, let's go. We, we, you need to be in the word. You, you need to be seeking Jesus. You need to be telling other people about Jesus. You need to be actively repenting of sin. All the things that leaders are called to do, even the pastors need that type of shepherding and leadership in their lives. And so it stands to reason that we as a church need this in order to grow and make much of the Lord together. We also said, and this is something that Paul pointed out, is that godly leadership is important because the glory of God is at stake in the church, that the church seeks to make much of Jesus so we must be ready to honor him and make much of him by having leaders and caring about our leaders, holding them accountable to the qualifications that Paul lays out here, and then pursuing these qualities and characteristics of leadership ourselves, and then ultimately praying for our leaders that they might seek to make much of the Lord. And so this week, uh, in these six verses that we're looking at this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at another office or position of leadership inside of the church, and that is the office of deacon. And, and what I hope we'll do today during our time in the text is we'll define what a deacon is, uh, we'll see what a deacon's character qualifications need to be, we'll talk about female deacons, and then ultimately we'll talk about uh, what Paul says the reward for deacons is for their service inside of the local church. And so uh, just a few minutes ago, I read for you uh, those six verses. And I wanna start off by just kind of posing this idea or having you think at home about this. When we talk about deacons, we have a number of different things to work through as people. Uh, first and foremost, most people have an improper view of what a deacon is. Uh, depending on what your background is, you may, first of all, if you don't have a church background, you may have no idea. You may have never heard that word before in your entire life. Uh, it's not a word that is used in non-church settings. But if you grew up in the church, you've probably likely heard that term before. The, the issue is, is that 
every single church or denomination tends to kind of take a different approach to the office of deacon. And with that, then can come some improper understandings or representations of what the office of a deacon is as uh, revealed to us inside of scripture. Uh, in my own life, I've seen everything from uh, deacons being a board of men and individuals inside of a church that have the power to hire or fire pastors to deacons being someone who simply cleans the church and is known as that person who cleans the toilets and cleans the church every Sunday. And so I wanna start by this, right? Paul, Paul says in verse eight, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, right? So he uses this term deacon as a new office for the church separate from the office of elder or pastor or overseer that we addressed last week. And that word deacon comes from the Greek word diakonos, and it, and it means literally one who executes the commands of another, especially uh, a servant of a king. Uh, and it comes from this root word in the Greek diako, which meant to run errands quickly or swiftly uh, when, when it was used contextually. And so if we look at the Greek, and we have this understanding of this term being used to define an office inside of the church, we clearly get this idea that deacons were servants who get things done. That, that's what deacons were supposed to be. Now, I want to take us to Acts chapter 6, because if before we move into the actual qualifications of a deacon, I want us to see that there is a difference inside of Scripture between deacons and elders that God clearly makes a distinction between these two offices. And I think Acts chapter six can give us a pretty good indication of what deacons did. So, so turn over to Acts chapter six with me and let me read these first seven verses to you. Now in these days, which the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, the Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And so what you see there inside of Acts chapter six is you see that the disciples and the apostles have begun the work of planting this church inside of Jerusalem. That church is growing. That church is doing things that it needs to do. Primarily one of the main things that the church is called to do inside of scripture is minister to widows uh, and orphans. And, and, and the poor. And so the, the church is doing that well inside of uh, Jerusalem here once you get to Acts chapter six. 
and they're helping the widows. But what ends up happening is that the Jewish widows are receiving preferential treatment over the Greek or Gentile widows who are being served by the church. And, 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 if you don't know this, this is a huge problem, right? Because the church is trying to come together and God has made it abundantly clear that Jesus Christ has come, uh, lived, died and, and rose again, not just for Jews, but for Gentiles as well. And so this is this kind of fork in the road moment for the early church hey, we need to be uh, doing this ministry to widows properly. And we need to not be showing favoritism to Jews because God does not show favoritism to the Jews. And, and this would have been a church splitting issue because it's an improper display of the gospel going on here, that God cares about a certain race or people group more than another. And so, what ends up happening though is the apostles, right? The, the initial kind of elders of this early church in Jerusalem say this is, a, this is a problem outside of just the problem of the actual distribution of the food because pastors should be primarily teaching the church and instructing the church in the word while also praying for the flock. And this is something that you see in those first uh, six or seven verses in uh, 1 Timothy chapter three, that teaching is one of the qualifications of an elder, pastor, or overseer inside of Jesus's church. And so the, the apostles recognize, hey, we need to be focused on making sure that we understand God's word, that we're able to preach God's word, that we're able to teach God's word. And yet this ministry to the widows and orphans and poor is an extremely important thing that we need to be doing. We need another set of leadership that's gonna oversee this. And what we see is both here in Acts chapter six, but also Paul pointing this out to Timothy uh, after he points out the qualifications of an elder or a deacon is that pastors and elders must have help in a leadership role to see the church function properly. That if you have a church that is just elders and members, that church will not function properly because there is another layer of leadership known as the diakonos, the deacons, that fills a very, very important role inside of the church that helps the church oversee and lead in serving those that need to be served by the church. And so pastors need this help from deacon leadership in order to see the church function properly. And deacons lead in serving and getting things done that need to be done inside of the church. Pastor Scott Crook uh, put it, puts it this way. He says, deacons are servants who will do whatever is necessary to allow elders to do their God-given duty to preach and teach to the church. And so what we see both from the word that's being used here, because that term means servant, like super servant basically, and the uh, first deacons being installed at the church in Jerusalem is we see this important office being established inside of Jesus's church so that the church can both preach and teach sound doctrine 
and also be on mission, serving one another and serving their city for the glory of God. And so let's unpack further what Paul shares in these verses, because I think what we see now is that if you have experienced a past where deacons function more as like a deacon board who had the power to fire and hire pastors, that wouldn't be the biblical understanding of what deacons do inside of scripture. But deacons are also more than just someone who comes and cleans the bathrooms or sets out chairs or whatever else, that deacons both serve in that capacity, but they also have a leadership function in that, encouraging others to do that and taking the lead and doing that at times. And so let's look at the qualifications that uh, Paul lays out for them to Timothy. He says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. So he, he, he moves into verse eight, right? He transitions away from talking about the qualifications of an elder or a pastor of an overseer. And he says, deacons likewise must be. And he's using that word likewise to show the reader, Timothy, that he's moving to a new office or a new title. He's saying, look, here are the qualifications for an elder. Likewise, like the elders, deacons are going to have a list of qualifications and characteristics as well. That these are things that you need to look for inside of the church for people who aspire to the office of a deacon. And this is something to pay attention to when placing somebody in that position. And so here are the characteristics. There's about five of them listed here uh, by Paul. He says that they need to be dignified. You know, this means that someone who holds the office of a deacon uh, lives worthy of respect and honor, that they intentionally care about how they treat other people. And, and while not finding their identity in the opinion of others, they care about how they're perceived, that, that there's, a, there's an air of uh, excellence and service in everything that they do. And they wanna make other people feel loved and valued and serve. Uh, he also goes on to say that the deacons need to not be double-tongued. Uh, another translation of that word could be uh, devious in speech. This means that deacons are called to live with integrity and that their, spe their speech would match that integrity. Uh, they don't attempt to create division inside the church. They don't tend to wanna be argumentative. Uh, they don't try to stir up strife uh, in conversation, but instead they seek to build others up. That, that deacons lead both by action and in, in displaying that leadership themselves. And then they build up those around them to come alongside them and do the work of the ministry. And so we see that they're, they're dignified, they're not double-tongued. He says that they're not addicted to much wine. This just means they're not enslaved with excess, um, that they can enjoy a glass of wine or they can enjoy a beer or whatever it may be, but they, they are not addicted to it and they, they don't allow themselves to be ex, um, enslaved to that excess. And guys, this could be anything. This could be money. Uh, this could be alcohol. And you know, this could be uh, entertainment. There's so many things that we can enslave ourselves to as human beings. And what Paul is saying, here say, hey, a, a deacon is not enslaved to anything other than Christ. And then he says that deacons are not to be greedy for dishonest gain. And, and what he means by that is that someone who is in the office or role of a deacon uh, is trustworthy. And this would have been super important because if you think about back to Acts chapter six, 
right? What the first deacons were doing, they were managing a church ministry. And many of those church ministries, especially that church ministry in, in Acts chapter six would have had a budget, meaning the people overseeing that ministry needed to be a person who was trustworthy in managing finances, both with excellence and prudence and honesty and trustworthiness, because that money was being collected together by the church, by the saints uh, collectively to be able to serve the needs of those widows and those orphans and those poor in Jerusalem, that these deacons needed to be men and women of character and trustworthiness to be able to manage those finances. And then lastly, the fifth thing that that Paul lists there is he says this in verse nine, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Here's, Here's what he's saying. Deacons must hold to the gospel. They need to have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and King and as their one and only true way to God the Father and they believe and hold to that sound doctrine. They live out that doctrine by loving others and serving others. And they wanna be leaders that display the same type of leadership and service that Jesus displayed for us. And this means that not only have they placed themselves underneath the teaching of the elders and pastors and overseers of that local church, but they've submitted to it, they believe it, and they're able to explain it or teach it to someone else when asked. That they're they're able to share the gospel with somebody and why they hold firm to the faith. And if we see this in a person's life, right? Basically what Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, if you see these qualifications, these characteristics in someone's life, verse 10, test them, test them. Make sure that they actually are, loyal, trustworthy, dignified, not double-tongued, not seeking um, money for sordid gain, that they're holding fast to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. But if, if you see this in their lives, test them and then be ready to install them as deacons at the church in Ephesus. And let me, let me just share this with you guys. We have the role of deacon at Aletheia Church here in Gainesville. Now, some of you might even function in the role of deacon and not even know that's what you are. And that would be a failure of me as your pastor and as the other elders of this church to communicate that to you. We have some philosophical reasons for that, mainly being we can't figure out what we wanna call deacons because we don't particularly care for that term because there's so much negative cultural connotation with it. But there are a number of men and women in this church who operate in this role. Some examples of this would be uh, people who are gospel community leaders at Aletheia Church, people who are servant team leaders at Aletheia Church, or they are ministry team leaders, that these are positions led by men and women inside of our church who have had their lives examined by the elders of this church at some point in time And the elders agree that they are both capable and qualified to fulfill that role with integrity as outlined by Paul here in 1 Timothy chapter three. And guess what? They do. We we have some amazing servant leaders here at this church. And we see that deacons have an important role in the life of the church that must be esteemed and taken seriously because the church cannot operate and function without them. 
if you were here this morning, it's like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm called to this role. Christians, this is the standard that we're called to. This isn't some sort of special standard that is only reserved for deacons or, or an even further level for the elders or pastors or overseers of the church. This is a standard that God wants of his people and we should all be pursuing this, but this should also cause us to pause and take a step back that any church that we would be a part of, whether it be here in Gainesville at Alathier or if God moves us to another place, to another city, to another country even, that we would care about who our leaders are and that we would take these qualifications and characteristics seriously and demand that our church hold deacons to this standard. And for as long as I am one of the pastors of this church, this will be something that we take seriously here at Aletheia Church. Now, when you get to verse 11, right, he's laid out these qualifications. Uh, Look at what he says. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. Okay, so I get to have some fun this morning. This is a hotly debated passage. And for the previous two weeks, um, I got to make people from a certain theological persuasion angry because of my views on biblical complementarianism and what I believed that the text was teaching. This week, I'm going to get to make a lot of people on the other side kind of angry in the way that I believe that Paul is teaching us here uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And so one of the reasons why this particular passage of scripture is so uh, hotly debated in theological circles is because it, we, we need to answer this question. Is Paul talking about female deacons here in verse 11 and 12, or is he talking about the wives of male deacons and not referring to female deacons? Um, let me start by giving my premise. I would state that the language here and the context leads me to believe that Paul is referring to female deacons here and their qualifications and characteristics. Um, There are many men and women who are uh, even a part of the the tribe that I have placed myself into as a Christian uh, who would disagree with me, who would say, no, this is just referring to male deacons and, and the qualifications that their wives must hold. And their primary argument would be the flow of the passage leads them uh, to that conclusion and that it makes the most sense. However, I disagree for a number of reasons and believe that women are empowered and encouraged to function in the role of of a deacon when called. And both this text and other places throughout scripture make that clear. And the elders of this church are in agreement with me. And so they've given me full reign to give you a brief 10-minute synopsis of why we believe that female deacons are uh, allowed inside of God's church. So reasons we hold to the position of female deacons or commonly known to as deaconesses at Aletheia Church. One, the argument of context here in 1 Timothy chapter 3 is one that I disagree with for a number of reasons. Let's start with this. Look at verse eight with me again. He says, deacons likewise must be dignified. Okay, so remember how I said earlier that word likewise was placed in there by Paul to show that there was a new thing that he was going to be talking about 
but it was going to be similar to what he'd been talking about before. So he's saying, hey, I'm talking about a new role, deacons, but I'm going to be talking about their character and qualifications necessary for them the same way that I just got done talking about the character and qualifications of an elder. When you get down to verse 11, look what he says. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified. Now, I believe, right, that Paul is placing that in there to show, hey, I've just gotten done talking about deacons and I wanna make sure I distinguish the f- that there are female deacons as well. And I'm gonna show you that by saying, likewise, again, hey, I'm talking about something different and yet, right, <laughs> it's still being able to be compared to what's going on back up in verse eight. Uh, my position is that this term is being used to differentiate female deacons from male deacons, knowing that there's a clear delineation between the two. Now, Another reason why I hold to the fact that Paul is talking about female deacons here is the context of what's going on in these verses, right? One of the arguments I've heard against this is that, oh, well, you know, you see that he's laying out the qualifications for male deacons here. And then when he moves into this, he's moving into the qualifications for their wives. Um, Here's what's interesting to me, right? He, he says, if they were talking about deacons, it's, they, the argument is that if it was talking about female deacons, why would there be a separate list of qualifications and characteristics for the female deacons? And so I I remember hearing that argument and being like, oh yeah, that that argument kind of makes sense. Until you go back and you read verses eight and nine, and then you read verses 11 and 12. And what you notice is the qualifications of a deacon in verses eight and nine are the exact same qualifications laid out in verses 11 and 12, right? He says in verses 11 and 12 that that the, the wives, right? must be dignified, not slanderers, sober-minded, faithful in all things. Well, think about what he had just said two verses earlier, right? That the male deacons must be dignified. Okay, same. They, they shouldn't be double-tongued. Same, same wording and understanding as uh, not being a slanderer, <laughs> right? He says that they cannot be addicted to much wine, right? He uses the term sober-minded to describe the female deacons. Then he goes on to say for the men that they must hold the mystery of the faith while saying in verse 11, that they must be faithful in all things, right? There's great similarities between these two things. And I think what Paul's doing here is he's saying, hey, these are the same qualifications listed earlier. Just understand that the ladies need to meet these qualifications as well. Now, here is the most compelling reason for as to why I hold to the fact that Paul is talking about female deacons here and not to a special qualification of deacons for their wives. That term, their wives, here as translated in the ESV, that's the, the, the translation we use as our preaching text on Sunday mornings, um, is not supported strongly by the Greek, in my opinion. First and foremost, the word there is not explicitly in the Greek manuscripts here. It has been inserted there by the translators. And the word for wives is actually just the generic Greek word for woman. Meaning, translating this passage as their wives is the translator's prerogative, but by no means is a sure thing. And if you look at the context and the way that it's going, I actually believe that it should be translated the women, not their wives or the wives of the deacons. 
One of the reasons I believe that is that Paul has just gotten done teaching to Timothy that the teaching and pastoral role inside of a corporate church gathering as outlined in 1 Timothy chapter 2 in the first couple of verses of 1 Timothy chapter 3 is a role that is reserved for men. The office of the elders mentions that, el- the, that excuse me, Paul says that the office of the elder must be filled by a man who is able to teach. And yet when he gets to the qualifications of deacons, the ability to teach is not required or they're told that they must not possess that skill set, showing that this would then be a differentiation that would allow women to serve in it. Lastly, inside of this particular context, and this is another compelling reason why I think he's talking about female deacons here, is when you study those first seven verses in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and he's talking about elders, do you notice that Paul makes no mention of the elders' wives? Now, why would it be important for the wives of deacons to meet certain qualifications, but not the wives of elders? Paul seems to be extremely calculated, especially when he's listing out qualifications and characteristics in a letter to Timothy. Why would there be no qualifications, especially when he has mentioned the importance of managing their household well for an elder, that there not be the same qualifications listed for an elder's wife that there would be for for a deacon's wife? I think the more likely explanation is that deacons and elders are both called to manage their own household well, and that what is going on here in verses 11 and 12 is that Paul is sharing with Timothy the qualifications for a male deacon and the qualifications for a male deacon, a female deacon are the same. They must be dignified, they must not be double-tongued, they must be faithful in what they're doing, and they need to be sober-minded. Another reason why we hold at Aletheia Church to female deacons being in God's design is if you turn over to Romans chapter 16, look at what Paul shares at the end of this letter to the the Roman church. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Chinchere, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her and whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Now the ESV gives her the title of a servant there. That's the way they translate that word. Do you know what word that actually is in the Greek? Diakonos. The same word for deacon that Paul mentions here in chapter three of his letter to Timothy. It's the exact same word. And it is also clear by the text that he's referring to a title because he, he calls her a servant or a deacon of a very specific church in another place. That this is actually a title given to Phoebe, meaning that she is a deaconess coming from this church and he wants them to honor her the way that he tells deacons they should be honored in verse 13 of chapter three. And so what we see here is is. There are brothers and sisters in Christ who do not or will not agree with my interpretation of 1 Timothy chapter 3 here and allowing women to function and hold the role of deaconess in the church. But as I have said in the past, 
we always want to allow and let Scripture be our guide. And the elders and I are in agreement that Scripture not only allows women to hold this office, but that it encourages it. And because we believe that Scripture is leading us in that direction and that it is clear in that direction, we want to be faithful to what God asks us to do. And so we have many women who serve in this office and do so faithfully at Aletheia Church. They do a wonderful job under the oversight and direction of the elders, the same way that they're supposed to be here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And we celebrate that. It is a joy that both men and women can desire and fulfill the role of deacon so that the church can serve one another and our city faithfully. And we do that in light of verse 13, because men and women serving in that role must still have their family as a priority. That deacons serve the church and lead in the church after they have first served and loved their family well, the same way elders were called to last week. But men and women of character are encouraged and empowered to fulfill this role inside of Jesus' church so that the elders and the deacons and, the, and God's disciples can come together in unity, making much of Jesus, glorifying his name, serving their city, serving their world, and seeing the kingdom of heaven expanded here on earth. And when this is being done well, right, when elders and overseers are functioning highly in their role and that they have given corresponding authority and have given honor and esteem to the deacons who serve faithfully in different ministry areas as servant leaders all throughout the church in so many different areas and that those deacons then come alongside other disciples inside the church to serve widows, to serve orphans, to serve the poor, to serve one another. When, when the church does those things together, right? look at the way the church then functions and look at the way uh, Paul says that deacons receive their reward in verse 13. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. See, Paul promises two things. He says, first, they have a good standing inside the church, right? If they are honorable, they should receive honor and appreciation for what they do, right? See, uh, Charles Spurgeon puts it this way. He says, if deacons cannot be trusted, they ought not to be deacons at all. But if they are worthy of their office, they are worthy of our confidence. Guys, the deacons at Aletheia Church are worthy of our honor and our attention and our, and our affection and our praise. And, and towards the end, I'm gonna name who our deacons are. They may not even know who they are, but I'm gonna name them by name so that you can thank them and be in prayer for them because they serve this church faithfully. And God says that if they do so, we need to honor them. The second thing he says that if deacons function in this role highly, if they serve God faithfully and with honor, that they can have great 
confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. He says they, ha- they can have confidence that they are in Christ. That deacons can have confidence in themselves, seeing God's work in their lives as they choose to place others' needs ahead of their own and to serve Jesus' church. That they get to share in that blessing with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And that deacons display that same glory in their giving towards others in the way that they serve them and the way that they love them. And this allows the gospel to be at work and for others to tangibly see the effect that the Holy Spirit has had on their lives. That is both a great confidence for them personally, but also to their church. And so here's how I want to close this this morning. What, is, what does this look like? How do, how do we respond as a church to the call to, to raise up deacons in a young church? I think first we, we do this, right? We reflect on the important role deacons play and we pray that God would raise up more deacons here at Aletheia Church and in other gospel-centered churches all over the world. Right, Mark Dever says that deacons fill a new, a new Testament office, one rooted in Acts 6, and that while any absolute distinction between deacons and elders is sometimes difficult to point out, that the concern of deacons are the practical details of church life, administration, maintenance, and the care of church members' physical needs. Guys, we have deacons who serve this church faithfully. They make sure that chairs are put out for you on a Sunday morning, both inside when we're allowed to be inside and outside. They make sure that there are signs placed around at strategic locations telling you where to go so that if this is your first time here, you're not lost. They greet you with a smile and try to help you get plugged into community somewhere. They'll stop and listen to you and get to know you. They put out food and coffee for us on Sunday morning because some of you guys roll out of bed so late, that might be your only meal for a couple hours. That they make sure you guys have meals throughout the week and are taking care of you and want to make sure that you're loved for and cared for. They're helping serve in various ministries throughout the city that do these same things. We need men and women who want to make sure that there are no forgotten and neglected people inside of Jesus' church. And we are so blessed to have that here in our church. And so the question you can ask yourself this morning is, am I praying for these men? Am I praying for these women on a consistent basis? And if not, you need to start doing so. As God's call to you as a member of the church is to pray for your leaders, both elders, but also for the deacons. And then you can ask yourself this question as well. Am I called to pursue this role? Has God designed me to just want to serve and love other people and meet needs and possibly help lead other people in this way as well? And if you are, talk to me. Talk to one of the other pastors. Talk to your gospel community leader so that we can test you as Paul asks us here in 1 Timothy 3. And if God sees fit, place you in this role. 
Now, the other thing I want to do is I want to honor our current deacons by name because we have so many here who faithfully serve us as outlined here. And I want to take a moment to thank them and present them to you. If we were meeting here, I would ask them to stand. They'd probably be embarrassed, but I'd ask them to do it anyway. So here's, here's what I want to do, right? First and foremost, the first category is, uh, is our gospel community leaders, right? They are underneath the teaching and authority of the elders of this church, but they faithfully lead you guys. They make sure that they hold fast to the mystery of faith, that you have someone that you can go to and, and receive counsel from, and that they uh, often feed you, provide a place for you uh, to be in fellowship with others. And so I want to honor them, our, our gospel community leaders who serve faithfully as deacons and deaconesses at this church. Charlotte Kastner, Spencer Chang, Josh and Ruth Ann Green, Isaiah Fetterman, Josiah Poole, and Dan and Aaron Green. All of them lead gospel communities faithfully. And I want you to, next time you see them, thank them for the ways in which they love and serve you by leading or helping lead gospel communities with elders at this church. Our ministry team leaders, they, they lead specific ministry areas here at the church, either on Sunday mornings or throughout the week. Matt and Laura Lindahl, Gab Arfaris, who leads Alethea Jr., David and Brittany Dominguez, who lead our first impressions team and make sure there's someone here to greet you. They also faithfully serve you week in and week out at this church. Make sure you thank them, that you pray for them, and that you honor them. Church, these men and women are a joy to this church and a blessing, not just to the church as a whole, but to me personally. They make my life so much easier, I cannot even begin to describe it. And we are able to minister and love more people because of their faithfulness and love for Jesus. They are evidence of God's grace to me, to the elders and pastors of this church, and to you. They serve faithfully and willingly. Will you celebrate them with me and thank me and thank them when you see them? And so here's how I want to end our time, right? Let's celebrate, right? As we respond and worship with, our, with these last few songs, Will you take a moment just to pray and thank God for these men and women? And then as you pray, will you also ask God if he's calling you to step up and help lead and reach more people here at the church? And then as you take communion, will you repent of sin? Will you worship God because Jesus has died in your place and offered you new life? And then will you reflect on this? Jesus served you first. He served me first. He served us first. The same way that deacons serve us, we follow Jesus's example as deacons because he first served us. And may we worship him and make much of him together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the men and women who serve you faithfully here at Aletheia Church. Thank you that they are dignified. Thank you that they are not double-tongued. Thank you that they are sober-minded and thank you that they hold fast to the gospel. May we continuously celebrate them. 
not because they are worthy of honor and all of our praise, but because you are worthy and the work that you have done in them should give us great confidence in the gospel. Thank you for their faithfulness, but most of all, thank you for your faithfulness to us. We love you, we praise you, and we ask this all in Jesus' name, amen.